Welcome to the Ideas on Stage podcast, your regular insight into leadership communication. Welcome back to the Ideas on Stage podcast. Today we are having a part two conversation with Phil Wakenall, who's the author of the up and coming business presentation revolution book. He's also co-founder of Ideas on Stage based in Paris, which is the global presentation specialists. If you haven't listened to our first conversation, I highly recommend you take a listen. This is where Phil tells us all about what inspired the book and why it's important that he wrote another presentation book today. Today, today, we're gonna talk about the five revolutions in this book. And Phil's gonna explain to us a little bit about why these revolutions are so important and bring them to life with anecdotes coming from behind the scenes with his clients of the last 10 years. So welcome, Phil, welcome back to your podcast. With Business Presentation Revolution, the book, you are presenting five key changes. And these changes represent the foundation of the work that we do at Ideas on Stage and working with our clients. Can you please tell us what are these five revolutions? I can, but I'm not going to do it right away. And the reason for that is I first need to explain the five stages of our presentation generation process, which we call P-score or the presentation score method. The first stage is foundation. So this is where we lay the foundations for a successful presentation. And this is a stage that most presenters just don't really bother doing or not doing, they don't do it properly. And this is where we understand who is the audience of this presentation, because the audience is that first magic ingredient. So who is that audience? What are their burning needs? And what is the context of the presentation? And there are so many things that we really should be finding out. So many questions we should be asking about the audience, the burning need and the context, and that will help us to understand the foundation of our presentation. We also need to be thinking, what is the objective? Why are we actually presenting? So the audience is burning need, that's why they are there, but then why are we there? What? Why are we actually presenting to these people? Then we can move into the ideation phase, and that's where we think about all of the ideas that we can come up with of things to say and show and do in order to change our audience in some way. And that's the objectives. And I'm gonna come back to that in, uh, in a moment when we come to those, uh, those revolutions. Then we move into the creation phase. So we've got loads of ideas, lots of uh, messages, things we need to say, stories, anecdotes. Then we use the power of storytelling to put them into a suitable structure, which will grab their attention, keep their attention and communicate those messages memorably. So that's stage three. We've done like foundation, ideation, creation. Then, and only then, we move into illustration. Does my audience need some visual aids while I'm speaking so that they can better understand my messages? If so, then I can think about what might help them. So what kind of videos, what kind of PowerPoint type slides we could use? That's the illustration phase. And then... Of course, the final phase is where we actually get into delivering the presentation and making sure we're prepared to deliver the presentation. And that's what I call the connection phase. Connection because you really do want to be connecting with the audience. So you can think about the whole presentation generation process in these five steps. And each of those five parts, those five stages in the process will have a revolution attached to it. And those are the five revolutions that we're going to be talking about today. 
Perfect. Phil, thanks for, for pausing us there before diving into the revolutions to explain the five stages. I have a client, we've, we've got a big account right now that we're working on as an international team. And one person, this is a female senior director, had heard the webinar you had given that went through these five stages of presentation creation. And at first, in our very first session, she was a little concerned that perhaps this was a little bit like a nice to have for many other companies or um, for the TED stage, but how could she really apply it? And is it really relevant for the work that she's doing if she's presenting to the C-suite? Um, how can this really be practical, this whole storytelling approach to present presenting in business? And we're still, we're in the process of, I would say, her own realization of how this really fits in. But one of the things that I tell my clients, including her, about why these stages are so useful and how methodology, like the, the kinds that we use at Ideas on Stage have helped me as a public speaker, is it simply organizes my phases. So it gives a clear pathway and I would say cycle to success. I used to present publicly at universities as a teenager. I was working on television uh, before that. And so much of what I was doing was untrained. The gift of adding method to uh, basically a recipe that's homegrown, that you've learned on the job, uh, that you've picked up along the way is now you can deliberately choose what really worked from my old way and how can I place it in a methodical process that makes everything feel more relaxed, easy, where I feel more confident, and also clear that I haven't missed a step. So if you do follow these five stages, you know for sure that you haven't put the cart before the horse, you have considered the audience ahead of time and you're not accidentally doing something rote. And it is not to say, okay, we're gonna just turn this into a one size fits all presentation whatsoever. It's just making sure that you've got the key ingredients in there from start to finish. So now we have a clear idea of how we can go through this fluid process, what is the first revolution? The first revolution is attached to the foundation stage, and that is where we have to remember it is not your presentation, it's theirs. So always remember the audience is the magic ingredient. You're giving them a gift. You're giving them a present, if you like. Your presentation contains the word present. You're giving them a present. You do not want to be just giving exactly the same present to everybody. You want to be giving something that is made to measure for that specific audience in that specific context. So yeah. that's the first revolution. And it seems so simple and so obvious, but there are so many people who don't do that. I remember working, one of my very first presentations I worked on back in 2010, I remember working with uh, the, the, the European uh, managing director of a major international company, and he needed to prepare a presentation. And I said, okay, who's in the audience? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, okay, well, come back when you find out because I can't help you in that time. Um, and then more recently, the first time I ever got to work with uh, uh, a senior manager at one of our healthcare clients, so the president of Europe, um, I asked him, who's your audience? He told me who the audience was. This was a great step forward. Then I asked, so what are they expecting from you? What do they want you to talk about? And that's where he drew a blank. And he was, I'm not sure. 
And I said, well, look, we've got a couple of months before your big uh, kickoff presentation. Why didn't we ask them? And so he was really receptive to that idea. He went off and asked a sample of people. And what they came back with in terms of the things that they wanted the president to talk about were completely different from what he'd have thought. And so we were able to produce a presentation which really hit the mark and talked about the things that people really cared about and wanted to hear their president talk about. So always understand it's their presentation, not yours. And it's so important to make it absolutely to measure for them. 100%. And it is, it is surprising to see how frequently people can miss that step. Okay, and ideation, the second stage in our process of building a successful presentation that scores, if you will. I think there's something about information here, Phil. I know we like information, but there's something that's heavier than that. What's the second revolution? Yeah, the second revolution, this is one that's really close to my heart, and that is you're not there to inform your audience, you're there to transform your audience. People forget most of what they hear really quickly. So an oral presentation is actually a really bad way of transmitting information from one person to another. And actually, I mean, that it hurts me to say that. I'm a specialist in business presentations. I love presentations. I live and breathe presentations all the time. And it really hurts me to say presentations are a really, really inefficient way of transmitting information but they're great at changing people, at transforming what people do, what they believe, what they feel. And in fact, you often will find that you can create a kind of what I call uh, like a story uh, or a, an objective flow. And this is where you think, what do I want them to do after this meeting? So think, for example, you are a startup entrepreneur and you're meeting with investors and you want them to invest. So what do you want them to do? Invest in your company. What do they need to feel so that they invest in your company? Well, they want maybe they need to feel trusting. They need to feel confident. They need to feel optimistic. What do you need them to believe so that they feel trusting and confident and optimistic? And that's where you need them to believe that this is a great idea. Customers will buy these products or solutions. Uh, this team is the right team to make a success of this idea. This is going to be a big success. And the most important thing in those situations, other people are going to invest too, because investors will always want to invest in something that other people are also trusting because it makes them feel a little bit more secure. So what is that transformation? What do you need them to, to do? What do they need to feel in order to do that? And then what do they need to believe so that they feel and do those things? And of course, you do need to probably give them some information, but only so that they believe and feel and do those things. And if they forget the information, but they remember the feelings and they, re and they actually perform the actions, well, hey, you've succeeded. We understand that we shouldn't just inform, we should transform through presentation. What's the third revolution in connection to the creation phase? Well, the key thing to remember here is that we must prepare our story before our slides. And there are two ideas in this revolution. The first idea is that we don't start preparing slides until we know what we're going to say. And this is a really important revolution. Uh, too many people, too many business presenters, and I used to do this. I know I used to do this for many years. You're asking, okay, Please, Phil, prepare a presentation for tomorrow. What do you do? 
you prepare your slides. And then maybe you get into the meeting room and you connect up the projector and you turn, the, you put the slides behind you and then you read the bullet points and then you improvise. That's not preparing a presentation. So slides do not have a duration. It's what you say that takes the time. What you need to do always is to start thinking, what am I going to say? And then how do I illustrate that if I need to illustrate that, if my audience needs me to illustrate that. And it might be that they do not. So always very much, first of all, think about what you're going to say. So close your computer, switch off PowerPoint, go analog if you can, use a, a board, a paper board, uh, or uh, simply just some sticky notes and try to think, okay, what do I need to say to my audience? Now, ideally, in the ideation phase, you've done your brainstorming. You've used our technique called the audience transformation roadmap. And that's where you've already got loads of ideas of what to say and show and do. Well, in that case, you put those together in a storyline. And that's the second piece of this revolution, right? Your story before your slides. We need to produce a storyline that is going to grab their attention at the start with a really powerful introduction, not just today we're going to talk about this, this and this. OK, let's start. No, it's not OK because we're not interested in listening. So you've got to get their attention, make them feel that they want to listen at the start and then keep them listening throughout. And you've got to make sure that your key messages, those ones that will achieve the transformations in your audience, you've got to make sure those messages are communicated memorably. And so that's where we use the art of storytelling to do that. And then, of course, you finish with a powerful conclusion, which will make them want to act. And so that's the, the third phase, the creation phase. Prepare your story before your slides. And that will then lead us into the fourth phase. And then and only then we can start thinking about opening PowerPoint and preparing some slides. Yes, and before we go to that fourth phase, I really want to say it's hard to take the advice of this step. It really is. It's an old habit, and I know I can still in I can still fall prey to wanting to provide more, thinking that that will be more valuable. So it's so easy to go, okay, I've got a keynote, it's 40 minutes long, and wind up with 60 slides. Is it possible to share 60 slides in 45 minutes? Absolutely. Is it necessary? It really depends. And most of the time, I think your suggestion, Phil, to make it analog if you can, is really, really worthwhile, especially as business gets more and more digital and virtual, the tendency and uh, temptation would be to use as many digital tools as possible and to keep making it um, more high tech. And frankly, there's something brilliant about simply asking participants or listeners to grab a pen and paper and really consider that even if you, Phil, are in Paris and I am in Los Angeles, we can act as if we're in the same room where we don't need to be as, in a way, distracted by the digital tools at our fingertips. So yes, when it comes to story, let that be the shining glory of your presentation. And then if needed, create slides underneath it. And really that's an if, and I'm still working on taking this piece of advice. So I just wanted to um, empathize with our listeners. It's, it, these are not easy revolutions sometimes. This is old habit 
So feel free to know that you're not alone and that it really is worthwhile to test this out. All right, fourth phase, illustration. What's our revolution in regards to slides here, Phil? Well, this is a really big one. It is do not confuse slides and documents. When I ask people what they hate most about presentations, and boy, there's a lot to hate nowadays. Uh, one of the key things is I hate it when people confuse Word with PowerPoint, when they try to produce a document and show it on the screen behind them. It does not work well. Slides are not documents, documents are not slides. I mean, it was already uh, a long time ago now that Gar Reynolds came up with the idea of the slidument, which is what happens when you try to produce a slide, which is also a document. So you print out your slides or you send your slides by email. When I was at HP, I would have people saying, Phil, I can't make it to your presentation tomorrow, but please send me your slides. Thinking that by seeing my slides and reading them, then they would actually understand what I'm talking about. Except no, they don't. Because if the slides say the whole story, then what? why do I bother talking? There's no point. So the slides don't tell the whole story. They are a visual aid. So sometimes we are seduced into putting more detail on the slides than we should, simply because we think we might want to share them as a document afterwards. But the slide, if you want to make it a good slide, then it's something which is a visual aid, which does not stop people from listening to you. Human beings cannot read one thing and listen to another at the same time. Just doesn't work. Therefore, it is so important that when we give them something to look at while we're speaking on the screen behind us, that it doesn't have too many words on it, that it's visual as opposed to linguistic. But then if you give them a handout, which is visual and not linguistic, then they won't actually get anything. So what this tells us is slides are one thing, Documents are another thing. A document should be detailed, standalone linguistic. A slide should be visual, simple, easy to get quickly while you're still listening to a speaker. And so when we think about the illustration phase, this is where we think, actually, first, do I need to give anything out to my audience? Do I need to give them a handout? Is it maybe a, um, a, a provisional balance sheet? Uh, maybe it's an executive summary. What might it be? Perfectly fine to give them a document, ask them to read it, as they do at Amazon, for example, and then discuss. That may be that may mean you don't even need a presentation. Uh, do you need to give them something before your talk? Do you need to give them something afterwards? Think about that first. And then if you've prepared a handout, well, then you might find you actually don't feel the need to put all of the details in your slides because you can simply refer them to the document. A lot of business people really hate the idea that oh, if I put some visual, simple slides, people will think I have no content. I, have, I don't have any data or I haven't done any work. If you've given them all of the details in a handout, they won't be worried about that. And therefore, you can give them something which is visual, by all means, something which is like graphical with uh, bar charts, pie charts, whatever is the appropriate chart in business. You'll probably use charts more often than you will use nice, flashy uh, photographs in business. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But simply make every slide something that they can understand in five seconds so that they keep listening to you because the star of the presentation is not your slides, it should be you. Absolutely. And I love how this fourth revolution really supports the second revolution, which is 
not information, but transformation. And if you focus on separating slides from documents, then you can use that document to pass on necessary information that goes into greater detail for their memory and reference. And then you can really focus on being present and connected with your listeners. And the word connection leads us into my favorite, closest to my heart revolution of this series. This is revolution five around the stage of connection in building your presentation. Phil, what's this fifth revolution? So the fifth revolution is don't aim for perfect, aim for personal. There's no such thing as a perfect presentation. I said that in the last podcast, you cannot achieve perfection and you shouldn't try, but you should aim to make a personal connection with your audience. And that's why we called this fifth phase the connection phase, not the delivery or the speaking phase, but the connection phase, because that should be the aim. And if you think, if you make this simple change that you do not see a presentation as a performance, but as a conversation, then that will make all the difference to the way that you approach that presentation and the way that you deliver it. You're not there, you're not a Shakespearean actor like performing Hamlet or King Lear, trying to deliver the absolute best and making people impressed with how wonderful you are. No, you're there not because you're important, but because the audience is important and because you need to transform them in some way. So focus on making that connection because you can't transform people you don't have a connection with. So make it personal. And this again comes back to the first revolution, which is that it's their presentation, not yours. So what can you talk to them about that is going to be personal, that's different for them? How are you gonna touch them? And a, a very recent example of this is where I was speaking to uh, an, uh, a company with a lot of uh, Indian executives, for example. And in this company, uh, they, they wanted to improve the way they spoke. But what they, what they said to us is, we've got a lot of senior managers here who have been promoted to those senior positions because of their excellence in what they do, not because they are leaders and they need to learn to be leaders on the job. And so I actually started this with a slide which talked about cricket and talked about the current actual series going on as we speak right now between India and England. And I mentioned the two captains of India and England who were selected as being captains, not because they were experienced captains, but because they were probably the best players in the team and seemed like they might make good captains. Sound familiar anywhere? And of course, cricket means nothing to most Americans. I'm very sad to hear that. Um, and maybe that will change at some point, but it means a lot to the, all of the Indians there because it's like, it's a, every Indian loves cricket. It is the national sport. Uh, and so this spoke to them because they realized, yes, absolutely. The captains had to kind of learn on the job. We have to learn leadership on the job and the communication is a part of that. And so I'd used an example which resonated with them. So that kind of made a little bit of a personal connection. And we refer back to that a little bit more during these, during these webinars. And it, it helps, it gets them on side. It makes them feel that you've prepared something specially for them. But it also means where possible, get to know some members of the audience beforehand so that you're actually presenting to friends and not a potentially hostile enemy. It means get to know the room, get to know the people, try to learn as much as you can about those people so that you can make that personal connection. And when you've made that personal connection, they won't expect you to 
to be perfect and they'll actually quite like it if you forget what you're supposed to be saying or you stumble over something or you say something that oh no actually that's not quite right um and you make a joke about it and they'll laugh and they'll enjoy it and then you can move ahead so having that personal connection helps to transform people they'll enjoy your presentation so much more and you'll achieve your your objectives so much better that's why we call it connection and that's why we aim for that personal connection thanks phil i think that's worthy of a little pause and really letting that in the word presentation you mentioned that the word contains present or present present like a gift present also like here now being here being in one's body being connected to oneself enough to be able to not just give but receive so re receiving is much like the art of listening if i'm not receiving the data in front of me of how people are responding to what i'm saying how i'm saying it if i'm not receptive to that and i'm not present in the room then i'm not creating a connection and frankly I don't believe you're able to make a real transformation without it. It's like you need a full circuit. And frankly, in the world of presentations, it's too easy to get lost in this idea of how am I presenting myself, which is the facade, which is the image, right? There's so many different versions of this word present, present, a gift. And to really sink into the various layers of that, what am I giving? How present am I to receive? Because if you think about it, at Christmas, is it not one of, or any holiday, a birthday, any moment where you're giving a gift, is it not equally enjoyable to be giving that gift and receiving the person's reaction and reception of that gift? There's a full circle happening in that moment. And to connect that circle means we give a gift to the audience by being receptive to them. And then we create a transformation, not just one way, presenter to audience, but both ways, me and audience. I am informed by who is listening to me and those listening are informed and transformed by me. And that's relationship building. And frankly, this is where I believe we make a true revolution at a social global scale. So this is where we exit just the momentary 15 minute board presentation, but we're actually making a cultural shift on this planet through how present are we in our communication? What relationship are we building? And it starts with me and knowing I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be polished to the point of no mistakes in order to create a very valuable impact and really to experience the joy of the work that I'm doing, which is having a conversation at the end of the day with beautiful people around the world. So I hope that everyone here really remembers the power of these five revolutions to create an ultimate change in how we communicate with each other in business, which I think it's Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce that has a new book out right now called Trailblazer. It's all about the power of businesses to be the change makers of this world. So it's not a new concept, but really it's up to us in the day-to-day -to, -day to choose just beyond profit or getting it perfect that we are showing up as our personal, whole, real selves and making space for the people we work with to do the same. So Phil, thank you for these incredible revolutions. I know it's gonna be such a valuable book, both 
in terms of technical skill suggestions, as well as this paradigm shift into connection and out of perfection. Is there anything else you wanna say before we, we let our listeners go find out more about how to pre-order this book? Uh, I would simply say two things. The first thing is that all that connection phase is actually much harder now that we're doing a lot more of presentations and meetings online. So that means that all of these five phases and all of these revolutions are actually just as important, if not more important, when we talk about online uh, presentations and online meetings, because you've really got to go the extra mile to get that connection with people. If you are just broadcasting as if you're on the radio, it doesn't actually work. So you have to design your presentations for maximum interaction. You design your meetings for maximum interaction, and that's what we're doing with a lot of clients at the moment, preparing various different online meetings where we try to make them as interactive and as fast moving as possible, aiming for interaction and attention. So in the online world, all of this is just as important and all of this has been like rewritten so that it is absolutely relevant for online presentations. And I guess the other thing to remember is when it's coming out and that is Bastille Day, the 14th of July, 2021. So I'm gonna aim to have everything finished by then and ready and available so that those who want to order it, at least in English, will be able to do so on, uh, on, on July the 14th. So uh, I encourage everybody to uh, contribute if you want. We've got a LinkedIn group of uh, business presentation revolutionaries, and I'd love to see people on there with their ideas, their anecdotes, their comments, their suggestions. And I'll be sharing some uh, advanced versions of different chapters on there as well. So uh, please join the revolution, be part of it. This is not my revolution. This is something that I'm kind of, I'm leading at the moment, but well, I think it was said that uh, the purpose of a leader is not to create followers, it's to create more leaders. So if anyone listening here really believes that presentations should rhyme with inspiration uh, and motivation and not just with boredom, then, well, please join and then you can be a leader too and make that change in your communities, in your companies and with your colleagues as well. The more, the merrier. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Phil. To be fully initiated into these five revolutions, do check out the book, buy it, share it with your teams. That's 7-14-21 for the release date. And we look forward to having you back to hear more episodes on the Ideas on Stage podcast. Thank you, Phil. Thanks, Rose. See you again soon. If you enjoyed this episode of the Ideas on Stage podcast, there are many more you might like. So please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell us what you think. You can find many more ideas on business communication at ideasonstage.com or by searching for Ideas on Stage on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.